Welcome back to the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Lovell. Uh, back with me once again, uh, 411 Steve Cook. And uh, the reason being, not just that Steve is a great individual, but he also has a great column that has uh, just come out here as my dog has started to, to bark. Apparently the dog, Steve, also very excited about your top seven wrestling pay-per-views of all time, which uh, is the newest column you have. Up on the site at 41mania.com. And of course, uh, the reasoning wasn't, you know, I mean, it's fun to rank these, but Steve, there's been a little bit of buzz coming off of AW All Out. And some people wondering, is AW among the top wrestling pay per views of all time? Well, it's All Out, one of the greatest shows of all time. It's an interesting, it's an interesting conversation, interesting topic, if you will. Very divisive topic, I will say. Yes. Amongst the various wrestling crowds I run in, um, give a couple of shout outs to come my wrestling crowds like my folks at offteam.com who were all big aw fans and most of them watched the all-out show and most of them loved it and had themselves a great time and then you have some of my homies over at thechairshot.com i'll give them a shout out as well uh, most of whom are not great aw fans and did not have such a great time watching the show so i think you're gonna see some extremes on kind of both sides there and as I say in the column, I'm the type of guy who likes to take a long view, let the, let these things marinate a little bit and kind of, you know, sell it and see what's up. And I think it's important right now for us to kind of take a look back at uh, some of the stuff that happened in the past, just so we know what we're comparing things to. Because I think sometimes we forget exactly what happened in the past. We're all prisoners of the moment. We think that whatever happened now is the greatest thing of all time. That's when you need to have somebody remind you, hey, here's what happened before. <laughs> yes. It's a good point because I, I do think sometimes we're like, oh, it's the best show ever. But then it's like, oh, yeah, wait, I forgot about that show and that show and that show. And in the moment, I, I agree. And, and it was, I mean, like you said, give them credit. I mean, it, it, the response to that show was just something else. I mean, it's, it's unlike any we've seen in a long time. And I think that's why it led to a lot of people wanting to put it in that discussion um, and hey, this is why Steve did this column is to see, you know, would you put it above the seven that Steve has on this list here? And I think that's where um, it gets very interesting. Some people probably would put it above that and others, maybe if you grew up in a, in a different era um, and maybe you're you know more fond to the old school stuff or Attitude Era or anything like that, some of these other shows will rank higher. And so, uh, as we always say, a subjective list uh, for everyone, but Steve, let's run through some of these uh, here, and let's start with your number seven, because this is a show that I think, I, I just it's like, for me, it's one of the most memorable shows of all time, and I think that's, you know, again, however you make your criteria on, on ranking your top seven, I think this will always, to me, go down as one of the most memorable shows, because this is where we talk about, like, a show just being completely different than anything we had seen before, a WWE-produced ECW show in 2005, like that was unlike anything we had seen before. And it was strange. It's, it was amazing that only ECW had only gone out of business like four years before. It wasn't that long that the door that the doors had closed and people moved on different things. But in those four years, people still had that nostalgia. People really got into ECW, and the main reason this thing happened in the first place was because of the rise rise and fall of ECW DVD, which. Uh, did some big sales. You remember DVDs back when those things were a thing? They were a thing. Love DVDs. They're, they're great. Great. Good stuff. But uh, it sold very well. So that got people noticed. And they said, hey, let's have a show. 
We'll let Paul Heyman book it because why the heck not? Tommy Dreamer will help him out and it'll be a good time. And just up and down, the card just, uh, you know, I don't know if you have any five-star matches on the show or not, but a lot of matches that make you feel good. My personal favorite was the Mike Awesome and Masada Tanaka match. Yeah. Love that. Those two just went batshit insane. Pardon the phrase batshit, but whatever. <laughs> and uh, all the wrestlers the crowd got mad because those guys were just going crazy and killing the business. Oh, loved it. Yeah. Good stuff. The, yeah. only, the only blight on that match was Joey Styles' commentary. He was awful. <laughs> Joey Styles. Ugh. Joey Styles. Um, yeah, like you had, I'm looking back, like, of course, you look back at the card and everything, and just, there, there were so many good things. I mean, because you had, you know, the matches with Jericho and Storm, you had Benoit and Eddie, and, um, of course, the main event was your ECW-style main event with the Dudleys and Dreamers. Yeah, Sandman's Man. entrance. That was the yeah. <laughs> Sandman's entrance highlight there, yes. Yeah. Oh. Um, that's what we, that's what we say. Like, I think that's why, you know, you could, you can put one, and again, this is your list, but like, these are the things, like the most memorable parts of shows. It doesn't always have to be, you know, every match doesn't have to be five stars. I always say yeah. that, like every match sort of has a different purpose, but I think for this show, it was so different than anything else we were used to seeing in WWE. And like, it just felt fresh. And I think that's what a lot of people thought about all out is it just felt like a, a fresh pay-per-view. So um, of course, yeah. the, the downside there to this whole thing was it eventually led to the the version of ECW, yeah. which people will tell me wasn't so bad, but eh, it just wasn't the same, man. It yeah. wasn't the same. wasn't the same and uh, a little bit different with how that went. So I don't think, uh, as we count things down, what was it, uh, December to December? Was that uh, 2006? Huh. Somewhere in there. I don't remember the exact year, but uh, I'm pretty oh, sure. Oh, God, yeah. That, that doesn't matter. <laughs> that one won't be on your list. We don't try list. to remember no. that one too well. Ugh. That will be on your worst, perhaps, uh, seven wrestling pay-per-views of all time. Um, that is for another discussion. But as we go through the rest of the list here, uh, number six, you've got AAA When Worlds Collide. And this is one that we talked about before we started recording. Um, you know, this is back in 94. You've got just a pretty incredible assortment of talent here. And you talk about all the different wrestlers that, that are on this card. You know, you've got Rey Mysterio, Psychosis. They're the ones making their debut on pay-per-view there. Um, you know, you've certainly got a lot of others like Eddie and Conan and Parka, and up and down the line. Of course, Art Bar. Uh, just, um, my goodness, like this was, this is one of those shows that I think, even if you're thinking now, all right, a show in 1994, a AAA show, this, I, I'm glad you put this on here because I think this is one certainly that you look back on and say, wow, like that felt like a pretty historical show for a lot of different reasons. It absolutely was. Probably the high point AAA overall. And that tag team match with Guerrero and Art Bar against Octagon El Hijo del Santo, I'll put that up against uh, almost any tag team, of all, a tag team match of all time. Almost any. I mean, there's a yeah. few that are better, but that is... Just a great piece of business with the with the performance, the crowd heat, the story, everything going into it was just great. And you could see where uh, the Love Machine and Eddie were a pretty big deal in Mexico. And they're looking to become a big deal in America as well. Unfortunately, our part passes away not too long after the show. It also coincides with the Mexican economy taking a dive. And that leads to a lot of people uh, leaving AAA. And you see Conan taking a bunch of the younger talent here to WCW and... and a lot of things happened from there. We're, I'm there are very quick people tell that's part of the story than me, but this pretty much winds up being AAA's high point. And now there's, I mean, they're still around and they still do very well in Mexico. 
But it's kind of weird now because they can't actually premiere in the United States yeah. due to some weird deal with the Perks from Lucha Underground. It's it's a whole confusing situation. So they can't really do anything up here, which is a shame. Another guy, of course, to debut on this pay-per-view, uh, Louis Spicoli, who got, who's the guy who got signed by WWF, went on to be Rad Radford and yeah. bounced around. Unfortunately, and the show is kind of uh, noted for this. Uh, a number of folks uh, like Art Barr, like Eddie, like Louis Spicoli, who sadly uh, passed before their time. Yep. Uh, there. This is one to, I'm sure it's available somewhere um, <laughs> to find. Debut of La Parca also on paper. Yes. We can't forget L.A. Park, the L.A. Park version of La Parca. You know, the original, if you if yes. you will. If you will. We can't neglect La Parca. No. Um, yeah, that's... Um, this is a this is a good one. I, again, I'm glad you put this on this list because I don't I don't know a lot of people, of course, which you know I haven't watched it recently, but I remember watching it. Mm, I guess that would have been probably two or three years ago now. I think I went back and watched it then, and um, yeah, like it just there's so much on that card, and it's incredible to look back at some of the talent that's on there and what they would go on to do in their careers. But like you said, a, certainly a high point you know, for AAA there. And at the, yeah, and that point at that point they were. They were selling big tickets in L.A. Yep. and New York, Chicago. They were selling more tickets in those cities than, you know, the major wrestling companies were. Yeah. Which is kind of amazing to think about. But then again, <laughs> I mean, even back then, the Hispanic market is a lot bigger here, and we kind of give it credit for Yeah, and 94, as we know, was a pretty interesting year in wrestling, um, just based on a lot of stuff going on. And, uh, yeah, of course, coming off of everything in 93, and it's, uh, yeah, Pretty pretty interesting year, uh, for sure. Uh, all right, we go on down the list here. We we go forward a couple of years to 1997, and this was, I mean, this is one, too, that it's incredible to think back that In Your House, Canadian Stampede, like, it had four matches on the card. Like, four. Like, that's yeah. it. That's all it had. I mean, it had the, what was it, the, what was it called, the free-for-all? Um, I think there was a match on, what was it, a, I think it was a tag team match on the free-for-all, from what I can best remember, yeah. uh, looking at the card I, I looked at it earlier. But uh, yeah, four matches on this card. And you, you go up and down, and you're just like, all of these matches got time. Uh, of course, we remember it, remember it for the main event, I think for a lot of people, certainly. Um, the 10-man tag, where you've got the Hart Foundation against Austin, Shamrock, Goldust, and the Legion of Doom. And what a... I mean, that is still, probably, Steve, in my opinion, like that's still one of your better WWF WWE main events ever just in turn like we, we talk about the crowd like the crowd too was something I think a lot of people you'd look at all out and then you're saying wow like what a crowd all the dynamics everything in play but like this this main event this atmosphere uh unlike anything other we've seen a lot in wrestling and uh it just it all came together perfectly talking about what the role was for the Hart Foundation at that time where the storylines were headed and to have that pay-per-view there uh, just a pretty unbelievable piece of business there. Yeah, and with all due respect to the Chicago crowd from all out, I don't want to disrespect those folks. Um, this Calgary crowd is right up there with them. Yeah, <laughs> it's <laughs> very close. I might, I might watch if I watch it uh, tomorrow. I might say it's even better. Who knows? But uh, you know, Brad, Owen, Davey, Nightheart, Pillman coming out. Oh, they, they were get cheered against anybody. And uh, this time period was so great uh, for my. From my perspective as a fan, just to watch the how the different crowd reactions from week to week because they were doing a lot of shows in Canada up at that point. So you go to Canada and all the hearts would get cheered, and you go to America and they get booed. It's just an interesting dynamic to watch. And yes, this was a short show, only four matches on the card, 
And basically that means that nothing on the show is bad. A lot of these shows, you have a lot of stuff that's just kind of there. We make excuses for it. You know, we call them like popcorn matches or filler matches or what have you. There wasn't any filler on the show. I mean, no. he had Triple H and Mankind opening things up, and we know that uh, Triple H and Foley uh, had quite the entering relationship for several years. And he had freaking great Sasuke and Takamishinoku doing crazy stuff that <laughs> nobody watching WWF had ever seen. He had Undertaker and Vader, two big hosses going at it, and then, of course, he had the main events. And the crowd going crazy throughout, and there's just nothing really bad to say about this show. I mean, the only... The only, the only possible, the only downer I really have about the show is that uh, last year, me and Larry Zonka did a podcast about it, and it never got released. It's... I had to look back, and I was hoping it got released, but unfortunately, it did not. And now it's, I don't, I, who knows? Yeah, we will, we, will, we will not be hearing it, I assume. Well, that's, like you said, I've, um, everyone knows, if you're listening to this podcast, you know um, the history and, and everything, and um, it's just, uh, you know, I think about that show, and it's still like you said like it's just still one of the most unique things ever like it's i think still to this day like it is one of the most unique things WWE's done and i think it just it was like it felt like the perfect sort of setup and of course we know where things would head um you know you also had the announcers and it wasn't just jr in a cowboy hat you had vince mcmahon jerry lawler in cowboy hats so that's pretty good anytime you get uh vince and jr in cowboy hats that's um you know, come on. So, um, yes, that was. This is one that I think is is very easy to go back and watch because, like you said, it's it's not one of those. Which, by the way, on a random note, I look back at. You know, everybody's talking about the debate between the WrestleMania one night or two nights. I look back at whatever I don't remember what like one of the most recent WrestleMania, and I, I look down. I'm like, wait a second. Is there 16, 17 matches on this card? I guess one of the one night ones. I assume that was one that went what probably five, six hours. Um, and like, it's just, I think back and I'm like, wait a minute, uh, Canadian Stampede had four matches, uh, a little bit different era, uh, there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they started, I remember they started, they started the kickoff show at like five o'clock and I'm sure there weren't, uh, I'm sure the matches were pretty soon after that. And they were going off at like 1am. Incredible. There was that year in New Jersey <laughs> where they, like most of the fans got stuck because yep. there was no bus service at that particular time at the time of night whatever they, you know, bus, subway, subway, whatever it was, they, it was not operating at one o'clock in the morning. So people were not happy about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you want a, a much more condensed show, uh, this is the one for you because like we mentioned four matches, uh, go back and watch that one. Cause it's just, it's still what an incredible, incredible crowd and just an incredible main event. But, uh, like we said, everything on there kind of serves its purpose on that one. All right, Steve, to your number four, which, um, this for me is, it's always going to be probably in my top. It'll always probably be, you know, in my top three or four. I think that's probably about right. Um, Great American Bash 1989. Some people probably consider it still, you know, the best, perhaps. I know there's a lot of people would probably have that opinion. This was, if you go up and down the card here, you had Sting and Muda, which was a really good match. You had Steamboat and Luger, which I just was absolutely in love with. Like, I went back and watched this, I think, probably about two years ago now, I remember, because I was doing some reviews then. And, I mean, this was, I was just uh, remembering it, you know, on first watch at the time I'd, I'd watched it before that. But going back and watching Luger and Steamboat, just an unbelievable match. I mean, I just, I can't say enough good things about it. And then, you know, you go, you take that, you know, even a step further, and you've still got... War Games. You've got Flair and Terry Funk in the main event for the championship. 
like up and down this car. Like even Brian Pillman and, and Wild Bill Irwin. Like I thought that was a pretty solid match when I went back and watched it. There's just so much good stuff on this card. But I mean, you've got legitimately what I mean, probably if you if you do the star ratings, like you've legitimately got three matches that are probably four and a quarter or higher, perhaps, for a lot of people. Steamboat Luger, War Games, and Flare Fun. Not to mention Jim Cornette and Polly Dangerously. Well, yes. I mean, I thought that was just an automatic five stars without, I mean, without it, question. It is definitely better day business. Uh, that is a lot better than I think anybody thought it was going to be. Yeah, it was funny. Uh, it was very even entertaining. The, even the announcers, because Jim Ross and Bob Collar were kind of crapping on early on, then all of a sudden they realized, damn, these guys are actually doing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> I mean, look, Cornette's falling, he's falling off a scaffold, right? Like, I mean, he's he's up for anything, so... Probably not the most physical man of all time, but still still managed to work somehow. But uh, yeah, I mean, 1989, great period of WCW. We've uh, talked about it over and over again, the Flair and Steamboat going straight in the Flair versus Funk. Uh, from For smart wrestling fans, there's a few better time periods of a North American wrestling company. The only downside was not so great. You know, the, the business kind of was what it was at that point. They were, they were working their way up. The Steamboat Flair feud kind of bugs me later on because watching it later, it's, Steamboat just seemed like such a nerd to me. <laughs> Funny? I mean, my God. But uh, not the problem at this point with Flair and Funk going at it. And as I noted in the recent uh, Ric Flair underappreciated opponents uh, column, yes. Ric Flair is a babyface, definitely underappreciated. I I love Flair's babyface. I wish he had done that more. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, you know, if you think back to, to that run, especially in 89, as we know, Everything that you got in 89, just with all of that, and then, you know, just leading into to 90, like, there was just so much incredible stuff uh, when you talk about some of those matches. And then, you know, of course, Funk's, Funk's return and the way that all, everything's set up with that, like, just, uh, just an incredible uh, deal there uh, when you look at some of that. But 89, still, with all the Flair Steamboat stuff and, like we said, Funk's return and everything, just in- pretty incredible uh, when you think about it on that. So... Uh, before we get into number three on Steve's list, uh, Steve, I hope you're excited because you get to join me for the first time since we brought on our friends at Manscaped. Because Manscaped uh, is our new partner. Support for 411 Wrestling is brought to you by Manscaped. The best in men's below-the-waist grooming. They are the champions of the world, just like Ric Flair was in 1989. Uh, Manscaped offering precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched the fourth generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. You can join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer just for you 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the promo code 411Wrestling at manscaped.com. I've said it before, uh, the fine folks at Manscaped uh, allowing me to be one of the first people to try this new Lawnmower 4.0. And I am blown away by the performance. I'm sure Ric Flair would have tried uh, the Lawnmower, whatever number it would have been, back in 89. And that's why he became the champion. Uh, the craftsmanship, the details, it's all next level. And uh, it's got everything you need the multifunction on off switch with the travel lock. So if you travel, it's great for that. Um, it's got the LED spotlight for a more precise shave, so you can turn that on and off as well. And it's got the wireless charging. Uh, the new wireless charging system uh, gives you longer battery length, so you can take your time because Manscaped has got you covered. And let's be honest, if you're still shaving your face and body with the same trimmer, you're doing it all wrong. 
boost your confidence with this new body trimmer from Manscaped to make me time the best time with a smooth shave. 20% off free shipping, promo code 411wrestling at manscaped.com. Use the best tools for the job. Again, 20% off free shipping, promo code 411wrestling at manscaped.com. That's 20% off free shipping. Manscaped.com. Use the code 411wrestling. Unlock your confidence with the new Lawnmower 4.0 from Manscaped. Uh, speaking, Steve. So hold on. Hold on a second. I have a, question. <laughs> I have a quick question about all that. I just wanted to run it down for you because I, this is the first time. It's a very momentous moment here for you. Well, I have a question. Uh, you said that uh, 2 million people use this product? 2 million. 2 million people because it's kind of it's funny you say that because when I watch the next uh, program here on the list, the Money in the Bank 2011 <laughs> show, it felt like there were two million Chicagoans in attendance, did it not? Look at this. See, we didn't even rec- we didn't even record this beforehand. Like this is just all impromptu. Like this is this is rock and mankind. This is your life here. Like this is what this is. Like that was the best segue I think you could have given me. So I appreciate that. Pretty good, pretty good. I was, I was impressed with myself as well, and uh, <laughs> certainly, and you know, Money in Bank 2011. It also ties in well to the whole AEW All Out discussion because we're talking about CM Punk in Chicago. Uh, you know, pretty much a little over 10 years, you know, 10 years and two months, pretty much, that that separate these two shows. And it's interesting when you look back at the show, lots of good stuff going on. You had the Money in the Bank Liar matches before I was sick and tired of them. It was nice. <laughs> Daniel Bryan, of course, winning one, which, you know, ties in all out as well. Alberto Del Rio, fortunately, did not tie in all out. I no. We didn't see him there. Yeah, Thank that, goodness. Thank goodness for that. Christian was there. He had a match with Randy Orton. It was pretty good, too. Yeah. It's quite but a But yeah, of course, the whole thing here was CM Punk and John Cena. Well, and John Cena did his thing, you know? It was, I mean, that's what we talk about, like, memorable. Like, this is easily, I think this belongs certainly in that where you have it, I mean, in this top three, because I just, I can't think of a more, I don't know, like, it just, it was one of those things that I'm sure, you know, it, just depending on, what your thoughts were going into the show, the setup just, I mean, like it felt real like it. And when punk wins, like all of a sudden it it clicks that part of your brain to where you're like, wait a second, like this guy's leaving with the belt. And it was just such a, a, such a cool deal. And, and like we talked about sort of with the um, Canadian stampede thing and, and it's different, but you know, just having it in Chicago was such a huge deal. Just like all out, like we said, to have punks return match there, um, and then, of course, to bring in Daniel Bryan, a.k.a. Bryan Danielson now, and Christian, you know, was at this show in 2011 with his match with Randy Orton. Uh, another just fantastic match. Those two, we talk about chemistry. My goodness, like Christian Randy Orton is probably one of the most underrated, uh, I guess, I don't even know what your list would look like on that in terms of chemistry between two wrestlers. Yeah. They were Which fantastic. Which is kind of ironic because Christian and Randy Orton are probably two of the, they're probably two wrestlers' wrestlers, when you say. Yeah. Where, like, you know, I mean, sure, the the fans appreciate Randy Orton and Christian, but I don't think they appreciate them as much as the wrestlers do, because you hear everybody talking about how great Randy Orton is. Whoever's in the ring for Randy Orton talks about how great he is, and it's the same thing with Christian. Everybody who's in the ring with those two guys just talks about how great they, how great they are, how, you know, just... And you put those two guys together, and sure enough, barn burner. Yeah, they were... I mean, they were great. There's just so much that they... They did. It was just so good. Um, and, you know, you, you look at the rest, like you said, I mean, there's just there's just a lot of good stuff here. Like all both Money in the Bank matches were, were great. 
Um, Christian, Randy Orton, great. And then the main event, I just, I don't know how it gets any better than that from just the standpoint of atmosphere, you know, work rate, whatever you want to use, like just professional wrestling main event. Like that was it. Punk defeating Cena, taking the belt away. Now we could certainly (laughs) go into a whole other podcast on the follow-up to that, because I think that was one of the most uh, disappointing probably follow-up uh, part of that equation, yeah. but this it in was, and of itself. But I think it worked out for Punk in the long run, because yeah, I think it because it, it, it whether WWE is actually trying to make him uh, go down the card or not, uh, it certainly, people certainly got that feeling, and I think it uh, made CM Punk even more popular with uh, the hardcore wrestling fans. Yep, very true, and uh, by the way, uh, get well soon to Triple H. We're recording this uh, on Wednesday, and uh, apparently Triple H had uh, underwent a heart procedure uh, last week. So, of course, he was uh, involved in the follow-up to the CM Punk, uh, you know, championship victory here, and, and that became a big part of the equation uh, moving forward after that. But, uh, yeah, Money in the Bank 2011, an unbelievable show, and uh, certainly if you want to uh, pop in a show to watch this week, uh, a little reminisce, uh, this is a good one, and I'm sure a lot of people have, Steve, leading up to CM Punk's return uh, here recently in AEW. That's probably one that's been Most watched likely, yeah. quite a bit, I would think, considering uh, that it is, you know, one of the, the defining moments of his entire career. All right, number two. This is one you said to me that you thought it's probably not going to be on a lot of people's lists, but I can't blame you for putting it on here because it still holds. In terms of just one match, like this is still, you know, the, the magnitude of the main event of WrestleMania three with Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant, it just, it's still, to me, above everything else, like it's still the one match that you're always going to think about in terms of just the magnitude of these two stars being in that spot. And then, oh, by the way, right, you get you get Savage and Steamboat, um, and you get some other good stuff as well. So I can't blame you for putting WrestleMania 2 on the, or WrestleMania 3, not WrestleMania 2. My yeah, goodness. No, WrestleMania 2 <laughs> oh, does not want to make the list. But uh, no. certainly WrestleMania 3, and it doesn't matter how many stars you give Hulk and Andre. You know, I've, I know everybody wants to say that the match didn't have the great work rate or whatever, brother. And we all know about how Hulk Hogan slammed the 900 pound Andre the Giants, <laughs> tore every muscle in his back. I think Andre died the next day, if you ask Hulk. But, uh, In front of 250 it, million people, I think, is what the attendance was there. Yeah, three, 355 bazillion people. But, <laughs> you know, it was still a big freaking deal. It gave the people what they wanted. It passed the torch to the next, officially passed the torch to the next generation. Hulkamania ran wild and lived forever, in large part thanks to Andre the Giant in this show. But, like, of course, we can't forget that Randy Savage and Ricky Steamboat had one of the greatest matches of all time. Yep. A match that, uh, if you ask a lot of the top talent, uh, like Chris Jericho, Edge, Christian, guys like that, uh, guys that maybe weren't the biggest folks of all time, it kind of showed them that they could also be professional wrestlers. Because, you know, they didn't really get that feeling when they saw Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant. So they see Randy Savage and Steamboat doing that's like, hey, maybe we can do this. And then, of course, you had Roddy Piper's retirement match with Adrian Adonis. Yep. You had uh, Jake the Snake and Honky Tonk Man. And uh, one of my personal favorite moments of all time, I don't care, I thought it was, I thought it was hilarious, when... <laughs> Poor Little Beaver. <laughs> I knew you were going to this. <laughs> Poor Little Beaver. He decides to try to pick a fight with King Kong Bundy. And you know what? You just do not pick a fight with King Kong Bundy because he'll slam your ass. He'll elbow, elbow drop your ass. And I don't think we ever saw Little Beaver again after this. <laughs> no. 
Well, <laughs> it is interesting though to think about, right? Like we just—I had the uh, the slip of WrestleMania too, but it's so interesting to think that King Kong Bundy goes to you know from a steel cage match in the main event of WrestleMania two against Hulk Hogan uh, to like you said, slamming Little Beaver. So um, maybe that's uh, there's another one. You talk about people that go from one pay per view to the the next the the following year. I'm not sure there's a uh, you know perhaps a more different drop maybe than that uh i would i would you know what talk about maximizing your minutes king kong Bundy definitely <laughs> did that made himself stand out in the, on this show for no doubt about it yeah he, little beaver had he had coming too come he, on now he but, did yeah, that's that headdress way he's mocking king kong Bundy. you know <laughs> you just don't do that to that man hillbilly jim i don't know what he was doing i don't know what he was thinking listen Ugh. Take take three minutes, 25 seconds out of your day, because as we said earlier, Manscaped's giving you more time. So take three minutes, 25 right. seconds, go back and watch King Kong Bundy, Little Tokyo, and Lord Littlebrook take on Little Beaver, Hillbilly Jim, and the Haiti Kid. So that's all, all you need. Three minutes, 25 you seconds. You will crack a smile. I'm telling you, it's it's funny stuff. No, it is. I I I totally enjoyed WrestleMania 3, and um, it's always one of those, like if you want to pop in a pay-per-view to go back and watch a classic, that's probably the first one because you think about it like WrestleMania one, it was it was fine like it's the first one, but we talked about WrestleMania two, not a very good pay per view in my opinion. Four had the tournament, which is appealing, but it just was really long and you had a lot of matches and it's one of those intimidating cards I think to watch from start to finish. Um, and then five I think is probably the next one that you get to, but I think three is always that first one I, I think back to and I'm like. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna pop in a classic pay per view from WWF, like I'm gonna go to three probably before I go to anything, and then it's probably six after that would probably be my guess. So, yeah, and the you know the whole build to the show is just great too. I mean, you know, the, you had the Hulk Andre build and the Savage Steamboat build with Savage using the ring bell and Ricky Steamboat, which is a fantastic piece of business. You know, Adrian Adonis beating up Roddy Piper in a flower shop. Just a you know Jake Roberts getting hit the guitar by Honky Tonk Man. Just run down the list, just. Great angles leading into this show, and you can see why 93,000 people showed up there. Just, you know, this period of WDF, uh, one of my personal favorite periods of WDF. Yeah, it's, um, it is. It's it's pretty awesome. And um, Steve and I will probably talk about that one at some point soon. We're going we're gonna to tell you kind of what we have in the works here at the end of the podcast. We're going to work on something pretty fun here uh, coming up, and uh, I'm sure we'll we'll get to this one at some point and go back and take a look at it. In full, but uh, that does lead us to number one on Steve's list, and I didn't know going into reading this what Steve was going to pick as number one, but had a pretty good idea uh, since it was my number one as well, and um, I think it's a lot of people's number one. It's still the pay per view that I think I we've probably talked about this before, but this is one that I think I I always remember because to this day, Steve, I'll tell you. Unless I, I, I think from start to finish is probably the best way to put it. I have never gone back and watched a pay per view from start to finish immediately after it was over, except for one. There's only one pay per view I've ever done that for, and that was WrestleMania 17. I remember sitting down, watching it through the first time. I immediately started it back and I watched it all again the same night. Um, and I don't even remember what I was doing the next day, but I can tell you I was probably pretty worthless. Because I just, uh, I was so mesmerized by what I had just seen. Um, it's still considered the gold standard for so many people. Um, not surprised you ranked it number one. It's still number one on my list. Even I went back and watched it not long ago and 
like it just still holds up for me. There's just so many things uh, when you talk about, you know, th- there is a historical aspect to it. And we know for the wrong reasons in some sense in terms of turning Austin heel. But um, there's just it's 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 unbelievable. It's incredible. And uh, yeah, this is probably going to stay number one for a lot of people, even if, like we said, AW All Out moves up the list for, for some people. I don't think I'm putting it um, right here at WrestleMania 17 level. Yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of reasons why the Austin Hill turn didn't work. For one thing, doing it in Houston wasn't going to work. You weren't going to get those fans to boo the guy. Wasn't going to happen. And for another thing, you had Rock leaving the company to do a movie not too long after. Rock was probably the one guy you could run against Austin and make people boo Austin. So with Rock gone, they had to switch over to Undertaker and Kane. And yeah, it's just, no, people didn't really get along with that. And, well... Then you had the Triple H uh, joining the, the Triple H joining Steve Austin <laughs> with a two-man power trip, which you know is it's okay, but it's not okay because we we have spent how many months establishing a Triple H had Stone Cold Steve Austin run over with a car. We just had the big feud of Triple H and Austin with the three stages of hell and Triple H getting dropped out of a out of a. I don't even know. I don't even remember what he used to break and drop that car. Or something he, the, yeah, I don't forklift or something? Yeah, I don't know Forklift, some sort of contraption. They got dropped like 50 feet in a car. <laughs> they did all stuff to each other. Then they just randomly decided one day, oh, hey, now we're going to be a tag team. People didn't buy it. It didn't work. And then you just add the invasion stuff on top of it. It's just a recipe for disaster. So just not, not, not a great time. But this show, in fact, was a great time. Even if it had that crap ass finish, Austin versus Rock, it with the, in that atmosphere with that crowd, they could not have had a bad match. That was just not possible with those two. It was just just top notch stuff. Yeah, Undertaker and Triple H had a good match there. I am a big fan of the gimmick Battle Royal. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Love Mean Gene and Bobby coming out to call it. Yeah. I love Bruce Pritchard and Jim Cornette trying to wrestle. That's funny. <laughs> I love Iron Sheik winning that match because he can't take a bump over top rope. He had no choice. Oh. He had to win. <laughs> <laughs> no, he would kill himself if he took a bump over top rope, so they kind of had to do it. And Sarge had put the Cobra clutch on him and get his heat back afterwards for that feud, I guess. But, uh, oh, yeah, and TLC. But, oh. Yeah. A little crazy. A little crazy. And Vince and Shane were crazy. It was just... Yeah. Then you had the, the Angle and Benoit match, which uh, one... As crazy as those guys could be from time to time, that I love that match because it wasn't quite that crazy. Even the and you brought this up in the article. Like I remember even the the triple threat hardcore match. Like I like I thought that was pretty entertaining for what it was. Oh yeah, Kane Raven Big Show. Yeah, um, I mean I, I remember talking that about that Larry Zonka and really the only downfall of that match was prior I had, I had convinced myself considering what happened in previous WrestleManias was that Pete Rose was going to make an appearance in this hardcore championship match and somehow win the hardcore championship. And I was so excited for that to happen, and sadly it did not. Well, if it was today's oh, WWE, he would. He would. Like, he would come out today if they, they helped the same scenario. He, he'd win it today. Um, oh, he'd be a couple-time 24-7 champion by now. <laughs> yes, he would for sure. But, yeah, I mean, WrestleMania 17, and you mentioned you and Larry talked about it. I'm going to put the link to that. Uh, you have it in the, the article. I'm going to put the link to that uh, in the podcast notes as well. That way, if you want to Go back and listen to that. You guys uh, talked about that uh, last, uh, I guess it would have been last March, not this past March, but the one before. Um, and yeah, it's just, I mean, what else can you say about this show? It's its still, like I said, the 
the gold standard for a lot of people, uh, the one that uh, you're always going to think back fondly. And like I mentioned, this for me personally, still to this day, the only show I, I, again, have watched from start to finish and immediately watched it from start to finish after. Probably aside from, Steve, back in the day in the mid-90s when I was trying to find shows on the uh, the static channels. And I, I probably would have went yeah. back and watched some of those, but I guess I really didn't watch it all that much other than listen to it afterwards. So um, that's a little bit different. But, uh, well... There's a list, and I guess, Steve, after we've gone through it all, um, has our opinion changed on AW All Out or anything? I just, like you said, I'm with you. I think it's an interesting discussion, and I I get why people have it, uh, but it's just so hard, I think, immediately after this close to place a show in sort of the historical, um, you know, landscape of everything else, just because there's been so much wrestling. There have been so many shows that have just been, you know, incredible, like these seven we've talked about specifically on this podcast. Uh, but it's just, I always find it hard to place that until you get a little bit further away to have an idea of kind of what uh, maybe just the show was in terms of standing up against the others. It could end up being a very historically important show as well, of course, depending yeah. on how things go with CM Punk and with Brian Danielson and Adam Cole and Ruby Soho and uh, some other things that went down that show. It's, it's a lot of it's going to have to do with the follow up, like we saw with some of these shows where. Although sometimes the follow-up stinks and it's and it actually ends up helping the show. Yeah, so, so <laughs> May it ends up being the high point for AEW, and then we look back and say, "Wow, that AEW all out 2021." We had such hopes for Brian Danielson, for Adam Cole, and all that. But uh, yeah, it's uh, I I wouldn't I don't think I've been top seven yet. Uh, some of you may agree, some of you may disagree. I'm kind of wondering, uh, Blake, uh, are there any shows that you can think of off the top of your head where how your yours kind of think like how the hell did he miss that one? Uh, the one that, that came to mind for me, um, I actually made this list earlier because I had a feeling you were going to ask me this question. Um, you know, I, I, I will say there's always one show that I, I look back pretty fondly. I don't know where it ranks for a lot of people, but I, I think SummerSlam 02 is always going to be one that I'm going to I'm gonna rank pretty highly. I just think there's, there's so much on that show that, um, you know, it's just it was a fun show. And again, for me, it's like one of, I don't. You know, I don't know exactly where I'd put that on my list, but I think that's probably always one that'll be in consideration for me because there was just so much to it. Um, so I, I will put that one probably for me. I, I'm I'm trying to think of others that would be in the mix. I mean, I mean, I guess WrestleMania 19. I don't, I don't want to say that show doesn't hold up as well, but I I think still like I would probably put SummerSlam 02 ahead of that. Uh, but I think WrestleMania 19 is always one that I think I remember back sort of fondly. And as you can see, there's kind of a theme here. They're just in that era. I think there were just a lot of shows that they kind of stood out. But um, I think you hit a lot of the ones I would include. I mentioned like Great American Bash 89. That's always going to be on my top of my list, probably in the top five. Um, and then the others like we've talked about. So I, probably SummerSlam 02 would be the one I would answer to that. Uh, yeah. And we, we did that one pretty recently. So, yeah. yeah. Yep. So we'd be we'd be being being a dead horse if I could. So <laughs> go back and listen to that. We're not going to say it again. No, um, <laughs> no. That that's that is the one I'd probably go to because I, I just I think that was a really good show. So, um, but there you go. There uh, are kind of what Steve had for the top seven uh, pay per views of all time. Like we said, um, I think that you know it's it's your opinion. If you think that AEW All Out should be ranked in there, which I'm sure if you're listening to this. Uh, Steve's column will have already been up for several hours on the website, and I'm sure you'll see a lot of responses uh, to whether people think that that AW All Out should be ranked in there or not. So um, always a fun discussion in the comment section over at 41mania.com. We'll put the link again to uh, Steve's column 
here in the show notes. And uh, Steve, we're going to start doing something pretty fun here soon. Uh, of course, we've been cranking up our YouTube channel. I've been talking about that over the past week or so. And uh, we're going to have some fun and, and go back and kind of do some uh, shorter episodes of the podcast that will probably, maybe, some of them will be exclusively just on YouTube. Uh, so that's why we keep pushing people to the channel there, uh, as well as just this podcast. But we're going to look back, and uh, we've got a series we're going to tentatively title as uh, Wrestling Memories, which is just going to be you and I going back and discussing just some random stuff from the history of wrestling, and there's so much to choose from. Um, Steve presented me with some uh, different ideas that I'm already in love with. We're going we're gonna to take a stroll through memory lane and just talk about some random wrestling memories. We brought up uh, talking about the uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin Booker T grocery store battle steve that's going to be a fun one um i got a lot of questions to ask you about that what your strategy would be in a grocery Mm. store match um like these two just kind of roll through there and then you brought up the idea of doing steiner math um that's another one that i think is you know certainly could be an interesting discussion um this is your life that entire segment there's there's so much fun we can have uh, with that so maybe king kong bundy will be included as well king kong bundy might be included a lot of the a lot of great memories of King Kong, buddy. <laughs> yes. Like the time he appeared on Married with Children. That's pretty good. Maybe we should do that, too. I think that would be fun. Maybe we should go back and, and watch that. We, we could also, was it Vader on Boy Meets World? We can add that one to the list. Oh, yes. So, um, there we go. Mankind also making the Boy Meets World appearance. Yes. we got a lot of ideas uh, to work with. So, uh, yes, we will. The Bushwhackers we'll... on Family Matters. Oh, oh yeah. I forgot go. about that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bushwhackers. Oh, man. Well, there will probably be a lot of Bushwhackers content coming your way um, here mm. when we start that series. So it will be a lot of fun. Like we said, be sure to check that out. I'll put the link, as always, to our YouTube channel uh, in the show notes. We'll have that coming up. But, uh, Steve, anything else you want to plug before uh, we hop off here? I'm sure you've got even more great stuff working in your mind currently. Well, the big thing I got coming up right now that I'm working on uh, over at thechairshot.com some of you who've been following me for a few years now, you might recall a few years back where I used to make uh, gambling picks on the National Football League, mm-hmm. and we're bringing that back this year, baby. <laughs> we are bringing back the NFL picks, uh, which means I get to write a lot of stuff about football, which I have a lot of fun doing. I don't know. I don't know why I just like having a lot of fun, you know, uh, just talking crap about these people. I, I enjoy it. <laughs> just talking shit about all these teams. You know what I mean? Just a fun time. I've already got some good stuff on Dallas Cowboys. Oh, yeah. It's going to be good. <laughs> a lot of fun. And uh, when are you going to start making bets on, on the wrestling? Come on. I feel like you need to be like the, uh, I don't know, like the, the true betting aficionado. See, for... we, have the, uh, we, have, we do have the wrestling gambling picks here at the, at the chair shot. Yeah. But the problem with the wrestling picks is, to be honest, the favorites usually win. That is very true. <laughs> More often than not, the favorites win. You're just trying to find an underdog that might be a good bet. And uh, yeah. yeah, it's tough. Like on SummerSlam, the one underdog that won was Charlotte Flair. And is Charlotte Flair really an underdog at any point ever? Yeah, I don't think a lot of people considered her a, a true underdog in that match, probably. So, no. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're right about that. But uh, there, there is your piece of betting advice uh, when it comes to wrestling betting from the one and only Steve Cook. But uh, we'll have everything. Like I said, in the show notes, uh, so check that all out there. Check out everything we got going over for Mania.com. News, reviews, columns, it's all there. And uh, as always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Uh, search for 411 on Wrestling. Any podcast app you use, check out our YouTube channel. And uh, also, as always, uh, we'll have a link to the GoFundMe for Larry Sarkis family in the show notes as well. Be sure to continue to contribute and share. 
uh, that if you can, and uh, everything else, 411mania.com. But uh, thanks, as always, for listening to the podcast, and uh, we'll talk to you next time here on the 411 on Wrestling Podcast.